Hi guys, welcome back to Tell Me About It. Other than, I guess Mercury has been in retrograde and it's finally fucking out, this week has been intense personally. I I hate to speak on behalf of everyone in the world, but I do think that there's been something in the water, like in people's personal lives. I went to a funeral this week, which was obviously so sad. I got in a fight with a family member, which I, I get is like a natural part of life, but I fucking hate it so much. And that always like devastates me. I found out some people in my life are getting divorced. It's just been a crazy week. So welcome to the show. <laughs> this is such a downer. Everything's fine now. Mercury's out of retrograde. All is well in the world for now. But I just feel like if you're going through something in your personal life that feels a little sticky and hard, DM me and we can commiserate about it because shit's getting real this week. But I wanted to ask you guys if this is normal because I do it all the time. And especially when I have like a bad week or I'm just like not in the mood to be around other people. Sometimes, inevitably, Dylan feels like socializing when I don't, right? And like we live in a small house and So I'll be like, okay, invite your friends over or whatever. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But like I hide in my room (laughs) and it's like so obvious I'm in there. Like I don't know whether to acknowledge that I'm home or not. For me to like go say hi, I'd have to look somewhat presentable or cute and I don't want to do that. So then I just don't say hi and then I'm just in this bedroom, (laughs) the grumpy old troll who lived under the bridge while they're watching football and having an incredible life. And I just feel so weird because I'll be like watching TV in my own room and they can fully hear it. But like, I don't say hi. And it's just I I have to believe that other people do this because you shouldn't feel like socializing every time your significant other feels like socializing. And you should be entitled, goddammit, to hide in your room. But then I went to someone else's house recently that was doing that. And I kind of found it weird, honestly. Like I was like, she's in there? Like... But I do it constantly. So anyway, that's like a fatal flaw of mine. I'm sorry to all Dylan's friends that I like hide from. But the real kicker this week, after all this, you know, sadness and whatever, the real kicker was I was listening to this episode over again and I was, Hunter and I talked about gray hair. And I told her about this time I was getting my hair done and the hairstylist told me there was a gray hair in my head. We were talking about like how much that devastated me. So I went to get my hair done yesterday And I asked, I thought to myself, okay, if they found one once, there's probably more where that came from. So I asked the girl that was doing my hair, I was like, you don't see any gray hairs in there. Like, oh my God, I'm so young. There shouldn't be any. And she was like, oh yeah, there's one right here. Took her like all of 0.4 seconds to find it. And I was like, oh my God, call the police. I just can't believe. I just feel like you spend your whole life growing up And then with one gray hair, all of a sudden I'm getting older. You know what I mean? Not growing down. I just mean like all of a sudden my youth is in like the rear view mirror. Now I'm just so scared that when I'm not getting my hair done, that there's going to be a gray hair just floating about and people are going to see it. And I'm like, I don't need one more thing to worry about that people are going to see. You know, it's just, it's really, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough life I live. So anyway, if you have any gray hairs coming in, I feel you and God, so devastating. Okay, so this week we have Hunter McGrady on the show. And oh my God, what a dream she is. Like if you're a fan of hers, continue to be a fan of hers because she is 
the real deal. She's exactly as incredible as you think she is. And I just fell in love with her in our conversation. We talked about the challenges and shame that can often be associated with finding a wedding dress or a bridesmaid's dress for a plus size or curvy figure. We talked about 2020, which was a hard year for everyone, but especially for Hunter, who not only got COVID while pregnant, which is terrifying, but her life also came to a crashing halt with the unexpected loss of her younger brother. So we talked about how she straddled the most devastating and crippling grief with the excitement and joy of a new baby. We talked about what bitches girls are in high school and how much we still hate their moms who bred and encouraged that horrible species of female. Hunter and I both came from blended modern families, and we talked about both having a stepmom and being a stepmom because Hunter is a stepmom to a, I think, 11 or 12-year-old girl. I feel like I say this all the time, but this episode is truly one of my favorites. I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Growing up in Los Angeles as an aspiring model, Hunter McGrady's journey to confidence and success has not been easy, but she has never let adversity be a barrier to success. Today, Hunter is breaking down cultural beauty barriers as the first plus-size woman to appear on the cover of The Knot, as the curviest model to appear in Sports Illustrated, and being dubbed their 2018 Rookie of the Year, and one of the first curve models to walk New York Fashion Week runways in September 2017. Hunter stands for inclusivity in everything she does and is a dedicated advocate for body positivity and mental health and works closely with the Jed Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Recently married, she has worked with brands such as The Knot, Brides, and Glamour. Hunter currently resides in New Jersey with her son Hudson and her husband Brian and has worked with top brands such as Olay, Revlon, Nordstrom, and Lane Bryant. I won't make you wait any longer. Here is Hunter McGrady. Hi, Hunter. How are you? Hi. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm so excited to be here and that we finally get to like get together and do this. I know. I feel like it's been a long time coming and I'm like so excited to sit here. But I I honestly am distracted because you have like the home edit behind you. What is this closet (laughs) you're in? (laughs) Okay. This is so funny. So during the pandemic, I had no place to do anything because my husband took the top room and made it into his office. So I was like, well, naturally I need an office too. And I kind of need a bigger closet actually. So we turned one of our bedrooms into my cloffice. And this is like where I do all of my work, but it's just, it's so funny because but the organization of none of it's me. It's this company called Hoarderly who was like very home edit adjacent. Okay. Cause it looks spick and span in there. And then you, <laughs> right, pan out. and I'm still not, I just got back from a long weekend of for press for something and I'm still not unpacked. So don't let it fool you. <laughs> Are you one of those people that unpacks the day? I think you're a serial killer if you unpack the day of. I got home last Sunday and it's Friday. So we're. Yeah. You only get the things as you need them, like a normal person. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Oh my exactly. God. I'm sitting here right now and I realize I didn't even shave my armpits for you. How disgraceful. I'm so sorry. I didn't shave my legs, my armpits. I'm literally wearing a hoodie. At least you're not parading them. I'm like, <laughs> look at my armpit hair. Like, Listen, what? we love that for you. We love that for the you. The audacity. I mean, come on. Okay. That was terrible. Sorry. It's. It's an unshaved girl summer. I guess here we are. You know, we're just accepting <laughs> ourselves over here, but I'm so sorry. I just I did a full <laughs> face of makeup and just left this all natural. But I, I heard you got it. locked out of your Instagram. Was that traumatizing? Yes. So yesterday I 
all of a sudden I like open my Instagram and then I close it out and then I open it again naturally five minutes later and I couldn't get in and I was like (gasps) and I spent the better half of my day trying to get back in I called my managers I was like alert everybody uh, that we know on Instagram let us know and I for the last 24 hours was like what the fuck do I do like, do I just go on Twitter? Right. Like, that's boring. Remember and like, that one big, like, shutdown day we had, like, two, a year or whatever it was? Like, we all remember. Yeah. We were traumatized. After that We day, all had to, like, read. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all had to, like, talk to each other. It was terrible. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know how we all didn't think to ourselves. Maybe we make a separate identity offline or, like, maybe we invest in our offline culture a little more because, like, that yeah. was so how disconnected I felt from everyone. And I was like, okay, if this lasts like a long time, there's a good 70% of my social calendar that will disappear. You know what I mean? Like there are 70% of the people in my life I solely keep in touch with on Instagram. No, 100%. Same, especially since the pandemic. Like I'm just, it's all Instagram all the time. And I told my husband, I was like, this is actually making me sick how uncomfortable I am and how much I miss it like there's something wrong I need therapy it's for so it it's so bad but also like you make money through Instagram right so like right so I that's what I told my manager I was like so is Instagram gonna come back or like should I start right no, for truly yeah should I like start reading the one exactly yeah. like it's so bad it's so bad but we need it you know yeah but like, are I you know. back in I'm back in now. Okay, God the bless. moment I went back in, I was like, wow. What did I miss? Literally some more photos of the Kardashian wedding. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, what did I miss? Exactly. So we both grew up in LA, right? Yeah. Where did you grow up? So I know. It was so weird. I was like, how did we never cross paths? I grew up yeah. like Homeby Hills, like Westwood, Beverly Hills area. Okay. So I grew up in Westlake Village area. So right outside of Calabasas. Okay, great. My boyfriend grew up oh, in yeah. Calabasas in Hidden Hills. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Westlake High School. Oh, my God. Well, I went for one year, and then I was homeschooled. Oh, my God. Wait, you were homeschooled your whole life? No, I, I went. I was um, homeschooled sophomore on. Okay. I literally got bullied out of school. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, that's a lot of people have that same experience. Girls are fucking evil in high school. Literally. It scares me for my stepdaughter i'm just like oh yeah so i but yeah we both grew up grew up in la which is very rare i feel like because most people in la are transplants totally and it's very rare to find someone who's actually like born and raised there but you've since left right you're in new New jersey now i know yes i'm in new jersey which is so can i just tell you yeah tell me so i moved to new york seven years ago and or the east coast i lived in new york um, for three years, and I moved to Brooklyn with my now husband, and then we moved here two years ago. And before I moved here, I was like, "Here's one thing: I will never move to New Jersey." I was like, "I'm a Manhattan girl through and through." Famous last words. <laughs> yeah, the pandemic was like, I we literally moved like a couple months before the pandemic, and thank God we did because it's the best decision ever. We love our little area. It's so sweet. It's so cute. Would you say you're a Jersey girl now or are you still L.A.? I'm such an L.A. girl. And everyone that I meet is always like, you're not from here. Where are you from? Uh-huh. You're too, like, bubbly. They can tell. <laughs> they can they can totally tell your L.A.-ness. Were you eager yeah. to get out of L.A. or were you like – it kind of happened through your husband, right? Like he moved and – Yes. I wasn't even expecting it at all, actually. It's – I'm – 
I'm very close to my family. Like we're all very, very close. And I went out, um, I had broken up with this guy and came to New York as kind of like an FU trip. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like go and find myself and I'm going to be single. Um, and then I met this guy on Snapchat, my now husband. Wait, stop. You met on Snapchat? Yes. You're a unicorn. Because, like, I, you know, I've heard Hinge and Raya and all that bullshit. Snapchat is, you have to be Snapchat. creative. You have to be so creative. And by the way, he didn't even have, like, a real deal avatar or whatever, like, the little icon. So, like, the way that he, like, swindled into this, like, I have no idea. I think he said something funny. And then he also mentioned that he was 6'5". And I was like, Done. fine, I'll go yeah. get drinks with you. Because you're six feet, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love how much you do your research. Girl, I know you up and down. I got it. It's actually very impressive. Oh my god! Because I've thank been on you. some podcasts where they're like, "So, <laughs> they're like, who what are do you?" Do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, "So, why are you here?" Yeah, but so exactly. we're both 28, right? You're 28. Yes. When's your birthday? Yep, May 4th. How about you? Wait, so you're so you just turned 28. So you're 94. Oh, no, baby. I'm 29. Oh, you're 29. Okay, yes, I know. I'm the same. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Immediately, it, it's it's like you're like where I am need. I? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm 20. I'm full 29. So you're 93. I'm 93. Yeah. When's your birthday? I'm December of 93. So I'm, I'm Are hitting you that 29 soon. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My sister's a triple Sagittarius and she's like. Wow. She must be amazing. She is. She's amazing. She's yeah. like. Sagittarius is my redeeming quality. Yeah. No, 100%. The rest of me is. She's <laughs> like, thank God. Yeah. She's she's fiery, but she's like the, the best human on earth. Yeah. Sagittarius are fiery. Sagittarius are fiery. But we have. A different, so you're 29 now, but our 20s have looked very different because modeling makes you grow up super yeah. fast and just you have so many life experiences and you're also married to someone who's older. So yeah. I feel like you've just expedited the 20s process in a beautiful way. Yeah, it's in a really awesome way. It's so true. It's so funny because like kind of going back to how I was in high school, um, I left high school right after freshman year. Um and I was, gosh, how old are you when you're a freshman? Like 15? Yeah, 15, 16. But even at that young age, I was always in a relationship and I was always like, ugh, high school parties? I want a career. Like that's that was my whole vibe going through high school. So when I left, I was like, whatever, um, prom, whatever, homecoming, like I'm going to go and work. And I did. You know, and I and I started working at a young age and I never stopped. Now, looking back, I'm like, gosh, it would have been fun to do all those things. And I always tell my husband, I'm like, man, if I ever get the chance, like I want to go to prom. (laughs) I know. No, it's it's hard because at the time, like when you're young, you want to grow up so fast. But it's also like when I interview people that talk about spending their 20s in New York and like being amongst all these creatives and having these wild times. I was like, bitch, I was like at home with my boyfriend, like doing nothing, just trying to grow up as quickly as possible. I know. And then now we're at that age where we're like, well, maybe we could have spent a little more time like being like digging around. Yes, totally. And and that's the thing is, it's like, and like you said, like when you are in this, you know, 
modeling business or entertainment business. My family comes from an entertainment background. And I know yours does too. So it's like yeah. you kind of have to LA, baby. fake it till you make <laughs> it and like walk in like you are one of the big dogs amongst big dogs. Totally. And you're not. Or even a grown-up before you're a grown-up. Yeah. That you know, like you're life. associating and fraternizing with grown-ups. So you're like, okay, yeah. I got to be one. Exactly. So when you first started modeling, it was a totally different experience. So your mom was a model, right, yeah. also? Yeah, my mom, my grandma. Okay, so, and you're six feet, so you're like, uh, duh. You know, gotta <laughs> do, what else am I supposed to do? When you first started modeling, though, like, you were rail thin. Yeah. Right? And, like, can you tell me about that first experience? Yeah. So when I was, um, like, 15, 16, I, I mean, I just to give you, like, a, a, a visual, I'm six feet and I was 114 pounds. Holy balls. I'm six feet now and I am not 114 pounds. I was a, I was a size, like, two. And, um, Prepubescent. Yes, exactly. And I wanted so badly to be a model and just, like, follow in mom's footsteps. And um, I just loved everything about it ever since I was a little kid. I mean, I did it even when I was a kid. Anytime there was a camera on, I was like, hi. You know, I would just turn on. That's your Aries? Yeah. Oh, my tour, well, my Taurus, but I do have I do have Aries rising, but you know I went into all these different agencies and every single one of them was like you're you're too big you're too big you have to lose weight you have to lose weight and then finally I had ended up booking a job for this t-shirt company and my mom drove me down. I didn't even have my license yet. And I walked in and I was so excited. I was like, this is it. Like, this is it. I can be like, F you to all the girls in school who told me I could never do it. Yeah. Who told me I was. That was probably huge. Yeah. Right. And then I kind of see everyone snickering to each other, talking, looking me up and down. And the producer comes over to me and my mom and she pulls us aside and she's like, we're so sorry. We didn't realize how big you were. And unfortunately, we won't be able to use you today on this shoot. And my mom was livid. She, Thank God Mama Bear was there. Yes. She was livid and she was like, <laughs> she demanded them to give her gas money. <laughs> but okay, that is the greatest move ever. Yes, yeah. 100%. I applaud that. And she was like, and you're going to buy us lunch because we yes. drove all the way down here. Yeah. Damn straight. Yeah. Yes. I was like, I was so mortified. And I think in that moment, being, you know, 16, going through all those hormones, at that age, you're such a sponge and everything people say says to you and everything people do really you take to heart and it just becomes a part of who you are which is crazy but it's just the truth of how human beings work yes so I fell into such a deep depression and mm. I was already I mean working out hours a day and eating nothing oh. in order to try to be thinner even though I literally couldn't shave bone off of my hips like I was that was it and I think in that moment I remember going to the bathroom after that and crying in the stall and just being like well I guess you know if this is what modeling is I don't I just I don't want anything to do with this I mean, what a horrible first experience. Yeah. And it was that realization of just like, oh, I guess my dream, like it's not going to happen for me. 
Right. And you had just come from being bullied in school. You're like, this is my big break. My mom has done this. So there's also that pressure. You know, you, you expect to just walk in. You're 16. You should have just been able to walk in and do your thing. Right. And then you have this soul-crushing experience that is right. so wrong. The fact that it was said in front of you or at all is, like, so disgusting. Yeah. So when when you got home from that, and then you, did you go into, like, kind of, like, a dark place? Did you stop modeling for a while? Yeah, I stopped modeling till I was 18, 19. I got into a relationship. I nannied. I just was doing whatever you needed to get by. Yeah, exactly. When did your depression start? Right around. I mean, even before that, though, I'd always dealt with like severe anxiety and, you know, mixed with depression. And then after that, it was definitely that depression, especially with everything. It was a mix of, you know, high school and then this not happening for me and being a teenager and it just also being part of my DNA. It was all these things. So I started therapy and I remember being so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, none of my friends are in therapy. No one will ever know this. I started medication at 16. I started taking Zoloft and I was like, I can't tell anybody. Like, this is horrifying because no one talked about it. So I was like, oh my God, if it's that way now, you know, what was it 10, 15, yeah. or 12 years ago or whatever, you know, like, and that's so hard. Like, I started medication in college, but even then it was weird. But starting at 16, you don't realize how many times you have to, like, decide, do I tell this friend that I need to take a medication? How different it makes you feel yeah. than your friends or your peers. Like, it's probably a really hard thing to come to terms with at a young age and let yourself need that help. Totally. Back then, I mean, even now, it's like we don't talk about it enough. When I tell people, thank God for 150 milligrams of Zoloft with, like, a side of lorazepam for onset <laughs> yes. anxiety attacks. Like, you know what I mean? But back then, it was just not the case case. And so I don't even know if I ever told anyone, of course, you know, other than my family, but only until, you know, the last five years was it really openly talked about. Right. So when you started medication and therapy, did that help you get out of the slump? And then what gave you the courage to start modeling again in this new way? Yeah. So it definitely did help me get out of the slump. Actually, my my very first therapist was, I just have to say this, it's so funny, was I walk in and it was one of the mean girls at high school mom. She was a therapist. Yes. And I was Stop. like, my mom had like set it up for me and I was just like... Immediately, no. No, I have, this is really awful to admit, but I have like, not actual voodoo dolls, but those are the real enemies, are the moms of those fucking see you next Tuesdays. Like those, the moms, because they breed those mean girls and make it okay. And they're mean themselves. Uh Like the moms are often meaner than the kids. Oh my God. I mean, I see it even now on my Instagram, which we'll get to. It's like horrifying. So yeah, so I, but I ended up finding someone and doing therapy I mean, I still do therapy to this day, but around 18, 19 years old, I remember this very prominent Vogue Italia cover come out with three models, plus size models, who are now my girlfriends, which is so funny. Wow. Which is wild. And I've told them all this. They're like, what? Because now we're close. Yeah. It was Candace Huffine, Tara Lynn, and Robin Lolly. And... I remember seeing this issue and all the news outlets talking about it because it was so major that we saw 
three plus size women on such a huge cover, Vogue Italia. And this I was like 2012. Yeah, yeah, right around there. And I was so enamored. I was like, <gasps> because during this time, my body had matured and grown and I was considered plus size in this industry. So I was like, whoa, that body looks like mine and they're so beautiful. And that's why representation matters so much. Yes, exactly. Because I was the girl who, you know, I currently try to help out with. Right. So I remember going into my very first agency, which was Wilhelmina, and I they, I heard that they had a curve division, and I was like, mm. all right, let's try it this way. And they signed me immediately, and it was like off to the races. I mean, literally the week after I did Miami Swim Week, I, I started shooting for Forever 21 and Lucky Brown and Nordstrom and Macy's and all these companies. But it's funny how because I was so brainwashed with the way we, I was growing up, I was so embarrassed to tell people that I was a plus size model. So I would never post any of it. I was like, I don't want things to say like plus size model next to my name. Wow. I was so embarrassed. Even though I was like making so much money, I was flying over the world. I was doing incredible things. No, let's unpack that. Because yeah. I think even now, even before I was starting this interview, right? And I'm writing out the words plus size. I thought to myself, is that an appropriate word to use? Is that the correct word to use? Is it curved? Like, what? what is your opinion on that term? So it's funny because for the longest time, I had the narrative in my head based off of the way I grew up that plus size equals bad. And so I would say in interviews, I'd be like, I'm just a model. I'm just this. I'm just that. And then I got a lot of women messaging me being like, well, actually, I'm very proud of being plus size and there's nothing bad about it. And we should actually change the stigma around it and the narrative around it. And I thought, wow, you're right. And I just got schooled so many times. And I was like, you're absolutely right. And I had my own like shit I had to shed. And it took a while to do that. You know, and I think that's just the way that we all grew up, especially, you know, we grew up in L.A. where everything right. is like all about how you look and how to be the thinnest and how to be right. this and how to be that and whatever. And yeah, so I had this very weird kind of like this this double edged sword of, of being mm -hmm. so excited for the success, but then being like, "Ooh, I don't want to share it. I don't want to do anything with it. Right. And you just posed six months postpartum for Sports Illustrated, you know, yeah. so like what an incredible feat to compare who you were then and versus now. How do you see that change? What did it take? Was it just therapy? What was that phone call like when they were like, you need to pose six months postpartum? Yeah. I mean, oh, my gosh. Well, that's my it's my fifth time in the issue. Hell yeah. And it's like I, every time I do the issue, I'm like, well, that's it. They're not going to call me again. And then every year, MJ, right. who's the, the editor, she's like, what? She's like, we want you even postpartum. In order to get there, honestly, and I get this question, it's like confidence is such a journey. There's zero destination. And I don't know if you ever reach that destination of of truly feeling forever. Oh, I wake up and I'm just, yes. you know what I mean? 
that is such a common misconception. Yes. And like I was even under that impression before too. I was like, it feels like a destination. It feels like s- some of these bitches have learned the secret sauce yeah. and wake up every morning and love themselves. And I cannot, I mean, I like hate myself every day. It's actually so toxic, I think, that totally. and especially the way that like the media has kind of twist this whole movement is into being like, no, you have to wake up this way. Like you have mm-hmm. to. And I'm like, confident girls can facetune their pictures. Yes. You know? Yes. And confident girls can be like, ooh, I don't really like the way my stomach looks today. Or, oh, I don't really feel good. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're not robots. And that's just what it is. We have feelings and emotions. And we have things that are affecting us from the outside world. And so it takes a lot of work, you know? And it takes a lot of honest questions. It's hard work to try and and get there, and and it was hard work to try to get there to be comfortable in my body. And I keep telling people, it's like after having a baby, I've had to meet my body time and time again. And I think we all do through so many stages of our life. Yeah, every four years. Yes. I'm like, whoa, okay, we look, okay, yep. this is different. Completely, completely. I mean, even during a pandemic, it's like, oh, we look different from two years ago. We have to like relearn this again. So that's why it's ever changing. You're like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. Stretch marks right. or cellulite or whatever <laughs> right. it is. Right, Especially now that we're hitting 28. The old gray mare just ain't what she used to be, oh, you know? listen. I saw some grays in my hair the other day, and I was like, mm, okay. Yeah, someone, I got my hair done, and a hairstylist told me they found one, and I was like, just shut up. Yeah. Just fuck you. Just, like, don't <laughs> just tell me that. Out. I would have never seen it. Like, yeah, what right. the hell? You're like, just take it out if and If it's turn not 16, it shut up. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> if it's I not know. 16 gray hairs, like, oh, that's so gosh. annoying. So tell me about dating. Because yeah. I know that you, before you were married, had a wide assortment of men that you were interested in. You didn't have one type. It yeah. was like many different kinds. So you probably have amazing dating stories. Yeah. No, I had a really fun time in my young, late teens, young 20s dating. Because okay, so you did live a little. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I had some fun. Like, before yeah. I got married, that was one thing. I was like, I want to do it up. I want to go out and I want to have fun and I want to, you know, have crazy stories and all of that. So it's funny the the when people see the guy I dated before my husband, they're like, wait, what? Because he's literally tatted from head to face to toe, Stop. front and back. Hey, you got to try it all. It's a buffet, baby. It is a buffet. You You have to go out and do it. Yeah. Have you always been interested in older men or was this your first? Because how how much older is your husband? He's 17 years older. So I'm 29. He's 45. Which matters probably less and less and less and less each year. Yeah. It it really does, especially with guys, though. Like, guys. Yeah. For sure. He's 45, but he's 29. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you're you're 45 and women. Yeah. And people think that we're the same age. And I'm like. Um, you're like great so how old were you when you met him I was so it's so funny I was 22 when I met him and he was 38 and I or I was 22 turning 23 in a couple months and I told him I was 25 because the three years makes such a big difference I was like I'm 25 and I like I'm sophisticated (laughs) (laughs) and he didn't even know I was 22 until like three months into us dating I was like by the way amazing You're probably the first girl ever that's lied about their age in the opposite direction. My sister always says that. She's like, no one does this. 
That is amazing. Yeah. So were, was there any like, so he was always honest about his age. Yeah. Because you guys fell in love. Was there any like in your head where you like, is this okay? Is this right? Were you nervous about the age difference? Well, I think it wasn't the age difference that I was nervous about. It was that he had a kid. So he had, Let's get into that. yeah, he had a daughter and I was like, Oh, yeah. I'm a stepmom. And, and she's now um, 11, going to be 12 this year. And she's like the most incredible human being ever. She's so special. Do you know how blessed you are? Because no. that can go the opposite direction. That's, where my, that's when I first started dating him. I was like, I'm so nervous about this because I have so many girlfriends who are the opposite. They're like, I can't fucking stand my sub kid, I can't stand the ex. I can't stand. You know what I right. mean? Like totally. I was freaking out. I come from a modern, broken, Same. whatever the heck you want to call it, family. So I'm Same. like, tell me all about this. This is like porn for me. Yeah, I love this shit. So, <laughs> how far into your relationship did he tell you that the daughter existed? Right off the bat, the very first date, he was like, "Here's the deal. Lay it out on the table." Um, mm-hmm. And I come from a, a modern family too. Like my, and that's why the age difference didn't freak me out for my parents. Mm-hmm. It did for a second, but my dad and his wife are like 22 years apart or 24. Yeah, my dad and his wife are like 30 something. Yeah, so I was like, you, yeah. sir, I was like, yeah. you can't say anything, but thank exactly. you. But yeah, the kid, so he told me right away and I was like, okay, okay. I think at first I was kind of freaking out because I was like, wow, am I going to be 22 and be a stepmom? Probably before you're even thinking about kids yourself, yeah. right? Oh, I, I wasn't thinking about kids until like 30. Right. And so, yeah, it was scary at first. And then I met her about three, I would say maybe three or four months after we started dating. He was very protective of her. He was like, I I don't play any games. Like, I want to make sure that this is something. I don't introduce her. If there are red flags, that's a green flag. That's wonderful. Yes. he He's an incredible dad and, and husband and all the things. But and then I met her and I was just like oh my gosh, she, she's so sweet and like kind right. and shy. And she reminds me a lot of me when I was younger. Like we are Aww. very, very similar. Yeah. And she's just really special. Like we got really close quick. She, the first time I met her, she, within an hour, she was like, can Hunter come over and play? And then he was- She loved you. Yeah. And then she was like, can Hunter sleep over? And we were like, not yet. <laughs> yeah. You're like, careful what you wish for. Because I'm I'm never going to leave. Yeah, exactly. No, but so is it hard to balance that? Like, I'm not your mom, but- Because she's young. So yeah. there probably are times you need to like discipline or like- I think the thing is, is- it's hard when there's two different parenting styles, right? Not between my husband and I, but you know what I mean? Like, right, the ex. And, yes, yeah. and her mom, and yeah, yes. Like we are very much, we believe in one thing, and then she believes in the other, and I will never not respect that one hundred percent, and I never cross those boundaries. So of course, there's times where I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna put my hands up and just wipe them clean and walk away. But that's hard, of course, Mm -hmm. especially when it's at our house. But she doesn't really give us any trouble or anything like that. Like, or any, you know, now she's kind of going through that age where she's definitely hitting those hormones, though, where it's like, okay, she's becoming a teenager. Right. Like, how did she react? Because this is always the hardest. How did she react when you got pregnant? She was so excited. 
stop i mean is this child no. sent from above no like, she's what literally sent. i know it, which is so funny because everybody asks me and i'm just like i don't want to even say because yeah, people, like, you shouldn't say it shouldn't say because it. people i have so many girlfriends literally so many girlfriends who don't have this as as the case and i'm just like right yeah totally no she was so excited she had been asking us for so long to have a sibling for her because she has some step siblings on her other side, but none here. So she was just an only child and she was so excited and she just kept asking, kept asking. And when we told her she was so excited and she is so in love with Hudson, my son and helps out so much. And she's very hands-on. She wants to help with everything. Yeah. She's a good girl. She's really- God, she sounds like yep. heaven on earth. What's the custody? Like we get her every other weekend and then summers are split down the middle. Okay. So he'll know her very well. Like he'll Oh yeah. And he we FaceTime her every night and you know, it is a testament to how they parented her. I was going to say, you guys make her feel seen, obviously, because the proof is in the pudding, yeah. you know, because like if she felt any sort of like she was being slighted or felt jealous, you would see it, yeah. you know, especially in a 12, 13 year old. Forget it. Totally. And that was one thing when I first got into a relationship with him, I was like, I just want you to know. And I told her even at a very young age, I was like, I'm here to just love you and be an extra set of hands. When we got married, I had my own set of words for her, too, that I said to her. Oh, I have chill. Hi- yeah, I was Hunter, just. That's really sweet. <laughs> okay, all stepmoms, listen, because that is really the truth. Like, I feel like where stepmoms get confused, and I-, I would probably step in this shit the same way. Yeah. You think that you're job is to like parent or you're confused what your role is really and like to have someone that you're like I'm gonna be on your side and you know I'm here for you and I love you yeah I see you as you're my husband's you know what I mean I see you like your important position in our lives like that's really sweet yeah kids pick up on that shit and I also feel like people don't give kids enough credit and so they're like well the kids fucking care leave them out of the wedding kids are so smart especially these days I'm like you're gonna tell me like my son is 11 months and knows how to work a channel changer you're gonna tell me that an 11 year old doesn't isn't turned on you know doesn't get the complexities of like this relationship yeah exactly totally exactly totally so he's 11 months right now yeah hudson yes do you guys ever get confused with your name i think it's so everyone cute. Like- calls him hunter which is exactly what my husband said was gonna happen and i assured him it was not gonna happen i kind of love it I kind of think that's incredible. It's like, remember your mother always, yeah, exactly. you know, <laughs> like, don't forget. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So when you were, you were pregnant over the pandemic, right? Yeah, I and know. You got COVID. Yes, I was pregnant over the pandemic. I got COVID during the pandemic. I had this like the most wild two years. I ended up losing my brother during the pandemic mm-hmm. last May. And then I had my son a month and a half later. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been wild, really wild. Whoa. Okay. So your it was your baby brother, yeah. right? He was three years younger than you? Five. Or how much? Yeah. Younger? Five, Five years younger than you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so unexpectedly, yeah. you just- Very unexpectedly. Unbelievable loss. Unbelievable. And so it's one of those things that unless it's happened to you, you mm-hmm. don't know- what it feels like. I always heard stories like that. And I was like, oh, my heart, my heart hurts for them. And now I'm like, oh, no, you don't. Unless you've experienced loss like that, 
it's as bad as people think it is. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if not worse. Yeah. I, I, I hate to say that, but it is as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, navigating this time of being in a pandemic, going through the biggest loss of my life to also welcoming in my son, who was like the biggest blessing of my life was just oh, chills. Yeah. It, it's been it's been I mean, talk about talk about therapy. I got therapists. I got thank God. I hope you doubled up. I hope you doubled. Yeah. Yeah. No, because that is like really complex to reconcile within yourself. Right. Like you're grieving. But as a mom, you've just spent nine months getting excited about this baby. Yeah. And then did you feel guilty for like, were you like, oh, God, what if I'm not excited? I wasn't excited. I I wasn't excited until he came out. I I stopped being excited. It was just such a weird feeling and such a weird thing to even admit. But I was like, oh, nothing matters. Your brother's not going to get to meet him. It's like, you know, you're just. Let's wrap. Nothing matters, you know. And then Hudson was born and I was like, oh. And then you you get to know this little being that you created and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. there's there's joy in this and there's happiness in this. And he has been such a blessing to just me, my family, everybody. He's just. Oh, my God. It's like, how could you have gone on without him? Truly, truly. Yeah. So your brother passed in May, right? Yeah. May first. I saw that you had yeah. like the the year anniversary. And then when was your son born? June twenty sixth. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, when you put the dates to it, you're like, wow, it really was yeah. that close. Yeah. So Very how close. did you navigate grief while navigating new motherhood? I literally don't know. You know, it's it's funny because when it all happened, I was like Googling. I was like, okay, what are the stages of this and how can I fucking fast forward? Because this is horrifying. And online, they're like, there's five stages of grief. You're going to go through this and then you're going to go. And I'm just like, there's 100,000 million stages of grief. There's denial. There's rage. There's bargaining. There's acceptance and there's denial again. And it's constant. And only until you've been through it do you truly understand grief like that. There's, of course, the griefs that exist of like divorce and breakups and things like that. And that's not lessening any of those griefs. But then there's the grief of losing someone. And it's just it's so wild. And then being thrown into being, you know, first time mom and then like newborn mm-hmm. territory of sleep deprivation and and having a history of depression in the yeah. past. It's honestly a miracle you're sitting here right now. No, I I, I literally I called my I think it, I was maybe two and a half weeks in of having my son and I called my doctor and I was like, I need a psychiatrist. I was like, I need to up my dose big time. And I told my husband, I was like, I'm going to get extra counseling like for me, for us, because it just trust me, we need it. And he's so great. He was like, literally, whatever you need. Yeah. You know, well, because those anniversaries will always coincide. So the anniversary of his death and then your son's birthday will always come right after. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really wild. What did the first anniversary of his death feel like? It was really rough. It my mom and my sister were here. It was kind. You know what? It, it's funny because if you've been through it, you know that the looming feeling of oh, the date is coming, the date is coming, the date is coming, is almost worse than the date 
right? Like we, it was like that with Christmas time. All my family was here at Christmas time. Like I had everybody in my family come and stay at my house. And I was like, this is gonna be the first Christmas. I'm gonna have you all here and we're gonna make the best of it. And we did. And we had a, you know, a great time. And, and, but it was that like lead up that was so awful. But then Mm -hmm. the actual day I was like, okay, we're here. Like we feel him, but it's hard, you know, it's not easy. And navigating, you know, the one thing I learned during all of this, we we worked with an amazing, she's actually a grief or an end of life doula. And we found Whoa. her. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. We found her through. So Maria Menounos, mm-hmm. she had lost her mother and she was using this woman. Her name is Diane Gray. And my mom had said, you know, reach out to her, see what she, see if she can talk to us. We were like desperate. And she did. And now she's very close to our family. But, you know, she had said, you know, listen, because she had lost her son when he was, I want to say, 14, 13 or 14 or something. Um, And, you know, she had said, listen, you know, this is life. There, There is no light without darkness. That's just what it is there. You don't. The only reason you know happiness is because you know what sadness is. And, you know, it's the same with loss in life, you know, and I think that that really hit home. It's like, okay, so we're all going to have to grieve at some point. We're all going to feel this. There's no escaping it because that way you understand the happiness and the joy part of life. And I think that hit me so hard. And I mm-hmm. and I really took that. And now I'm like living through my son who sees a flower for the first time and is like clapping for it or, <laughs> you know, yes. like everything is exciting to him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can live this again and see that this is how life is meant to be lived. Right. It's so crazy that he, you had a boy and that you lost your brother. Like yeah. that little boy, your son must mean everything to your parents. Oh my God. He is. Are they sickly obsessed? Sickly obsessed. Like beyond. My dad will just be like, where's my video today of Hudson? I'm like, sorry, dad, I'm working. Like he's like, okay, send me a video. Oh my God. And they're in LA still? My dad. So my my mom and my sister are in LA. My dad is back and forth between LA and Washington. They're all flying out for his first birthday in a couple I, weeks. Of course. Yeah. Of course. What are you going to do? So I'm throwing him a dinosaur themed birthday. It's really for for us, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> of course. I was like, okay. I looked at my husband. I was like, what kind of party should we throw? <laughs> right. Because he has like not an interest. Probably he's like a. Yeah. I'm like beer pong. Like, what kind of vibe yeah. are we thinking for us? <laughs> Um, So it's going to be dinosaur theme. That's cute. It'll be cute. It's just like a good way to get everybody together and, you know, just celebrate him. He's such a sweet – he's so sweet and gentle and, like, kind. And he just has so much of my brother already in him. Like, he just has this very – yeah, it's wild – this very kind and gentle – disposition but he's a big kid Mm. like he's huge he's in the is he well because you and your husband are both you're six feet he's six five right yeah Yeah. like he's off the charts already he's off the height and the weight everything but he's like a gentle giant yeah 
That's inc- did you use your brother's name in his or anything like that? Yeah, it's his middle name, Hudson Tynan oh. Keys. Yeah. Oh, I love the name. Your parents did well with your name. Yeah, we all have cool, cool names. Really great names. Yeah. That's a gift. <laughs> so I have one last little question, something we didn't touch on earlier, and I'm actually very curious. So when you were going through the wedding process, yeah. right, I know that you were the first plus-size model on Bri- – what was it? What magazine was it? The Knot, yeah. Yeah, which is incredible because I'm planning my wedding right now, and I just know one of my oh bridesmaids my was like – Wait, yes. wait, when are you getting married? Sorry, when are you getting uh, married? February. No, February. <gasps> February of 2023. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love I'm so excited. all things wedding planning. Yes, it's like hell and wonderful. No, it's hell. But... <laughs> it's absolute hell and wonderful at the same time. But I, as I was going through it, one of my best friends, who is curvier, was asking me, she was like, are you going to do matching bridesmaids dresses? And I was like, hell no, I don't believe in that. It's not, yeah. it's not part of my religion. Whatever. So I was like, no, thank you. And she was like, oh, thank God, because she was invited to be in a wedding. And she went to the bridesmaids store. And they were like, sorry, we don't make your size. You're the only bridesmaid we don't make your size. Yeah. And she's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, the bride told me to wear this. Everyone else can wear it. And what are we all supposed to change the dresses because of that? And I had never experienced anything like that. Or it it never occurred to me how antiquated the whole wedding industry is for Plus the size, curvy, whatever. Industry, right? Fashion, right, wedding, right. everything. Fashion. Yeah. That happened to me too, actually. Did it? Yeah. And my my best friend had to, she ended up changing the style of the dresses. I mean, As you should. She, she was like, I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to have you in some random dress because they don't have your size. Like, fuck that. I'll change dress. But what that must feel like. Yeah. You feel like a burden. Right. For existing. Yeah. When she said that, I just felt every emotion in one second. I was like, you must, it must feel so shameful. It's so disgusting that there isn't inclusivity to that. You know what I mean? It really drives me crazy. So I just wondered if you experienced that too. Oh my God. Big, big, big time. Yeah. When I went wedding dress shopping, I ended up just having to do fully custom. I ended up working with a designer who made two dresses for me, but because nothing, fit me and anything that did fit me was just not my style. Everyone was like, you're plus size. You just, you know, wear something that kind of is like more, you know, covers you up. And I was like, no, thank you. Yeah. Hello. You're like, have you seen me? Yeah. I was like, my husband loves my body. I'm going to show it off and it's going to be tight. Yeah. You see what I'm working (laughs) with? But it's always like that. I mean, for instance, I just went to the Sports Illustrated launch for the last five days. We did New York and then we did Miami and we did red carpets and all that. And like finding stuff to wear is so hard. And I took this to my Instagram and people were shocked. They were like, but you have all the connections in the world and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it doesn't matter if they don't make it. It doesn't matter. You know what exactly. I mean? You can have all the connections, but if it, the product doesn't exist, it doesn't matter. And I need it now. I don't need I can't do a custom you know, right. and no one talks about what that does to you psychologically, you know, aside from just being inconvenienced for not being able to find the dress. Yeah, it really adds this layer of rejection and shame. It's really it pisses me off to like <laughs> it's like them basically being like, sorry, you have to be a bystander. You know, you have you can't live life. You have to be a bystander. And it's so wrong. It's so wrong. It doesn't make sense to me because the world is so obviously turning in that direction. Do you know what I mean? And like, I don't get why fashion is like the last 
industry to understand or like accept that and it's gross it's so sick it's so sick and yeah and yeah just it just furthers the need for representation and also for people to be loud and you know people ask me all the time they're like how can i rally for that i'm like you know what support with your dollars like the mm-hmm. people who are doing it right and then also you know take to your platforms even if you're not plus size you know what i mean just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean that it doesn't affect your friends or your parents or your sisters or whatever. Exactly. And we all deserve to be seen and valued and heard. And But that's why I think it's so important that you talk about those experiences because yeah. someone that might walk into a bridesmaid shop and find the first dress off the rack might not know what that experience feels like or might not make decisions about their own wedding differently because of that you know like that stupid bella bridesmaid my friend was talking about this (laughs) bullshit place i was like get the fuck out of there anyway it's It's terrible like it's always like plus curvy chic bridesmaid and you're just like oh my and everything's like just so bedazzled yeah (laughs) why is everything bedazzled fucking always what is that or like it always has like a zebra print on it you're just like yes out of here you're like help sos (laughs) yeah okay so last thing is what's a way in which you're currently trying to improve or what's your uphill battle right now gosh you know it's funny as much as i talk about self-love and self-care and all of it. I think it's trying to figure out the balance of being a mom, being an entrepreneur, having different businesses, and still taking care of myself and honoring myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I talk about it, but then some days I'm like, am I really doing it? Like, I feel like I need to really hone that in for real. Because some days I just, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm so fucking exhausted. And my husband's like, then don't go out there and speak on self-love and all this stuff and taking time for yourself. You need to do it yourself. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're right. You have to walk the walk. You checked me. That's yeah. hard with a one-year-old. You'll get, yeah. I feel like you'll navigate. I mean, what, what the fuck do I know? Nothing. I don't have a child. But <laughs> no, it's true. I, yeah, I'll know. I'm I feel sure. like it'll it'll recalibrate yeah. eventually. Yeah. The fact that you're thinking about that in his first year of living is like, <laughs> you're going to be golden. You know? Yeah. You just got to always remember yourself. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, well, that's it for us. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. This is so great and so much fun. It was so nice to finally chat with you. And if you ever come home back to LA, yes. hit me up. What a little dream boat she is. I mean, she, Hunter McGrady is, I'm just in awe of her. And it's so refreshing to be around someone like her you know i i just okay oh god jade i'm like shut up we get it you love her she's awesome so thank you guys so much for listening i love you guys and i'll see you back here next week same time same place bye